A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. I have another wonderful and interesting guest for you today, Robin Fergus, who is a healer and energy worker who I met when I was in Cape Town. I was instantly drawn to her as soon as I found her website and hassled her for an appointment whilst I was here because her work is so diverse. It's so fascinating. She has done multiple trainings from Kundalini yoga and body work, uh, which led on to a more subtle type of work with crystals and she now uses crystal surgery within her healing. She does family constellation work and she also uses the beautiful shamanic work of the monarchy rites, all of which you will hear more about during our chat. Robin is such a warm and gorgeous person and such a natural and empathetic healer. And she weaves together such a wealth of modalities so that the work she does really is fine-tuned for each client. She's got such a generous and beautiful spirit, the kind that comes from having really understood the work and from just being a really natural, energetic healer. I'm so grateful to have met her and have already learned so much from her and will continue to hopefully do so in the future. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Here goes. Welcome, Robin. Robin Fergus, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, As you know, I am doing these conversations with amazing people who I come across. And I was very excited. I think I found your website and I found you before I even left the UK. And I wanted to find some really interesting people in Cape Town whilst I was here. And I, I love what you do. So, Would you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you came to be this healer and sort of maybe like a brief description of all the different modalities that you do, because you've got so many, so many things in your kit bag. 
Okay, so thank you very much. How I came to do this was I kind of just happened with without any intention of it happening. It happened. So I was in the corporate world for 20 odd years. I went up to minor pools, which is in Zimbabwe with my father. I was born in Zimbabwe and he'd always spoken about his trips to Mana, but I'd never gone. And I thought he's getting on, I best go with him. And while I was there, I can only have what I described as a soul shift. There was just something in me that moved. That was in May. We went back again in October. And shortly after I came back, we were driving back from Clan William. My husband and I have a house in Clan William and one in Cape Town. And I said, I just feel like driving around the country taking photographs. And he said, why don't you? And I had a whole lot of like reasons why I shouldn't. And um, I then went in the next week and I handed in my resignation and that was it. So I left without having any idea what I was going to do other than I was going to travel around the country, which is what I did. I got in my car and I, I drove by myself. And I think the seed slowly started being planted as to something was happening. And I went to visit my sister in Australia and we went to something called, was it the golden door, blue door, golden door, I think it was. It was a really beautiful um, retreat um, center, but you could do everything from kind of mainstream to alternative. And I ended up doing all these, having all these sessions and I had no idea what they were or what I was going into. But I realized in hindsight that I actually went to a lot of the set, the um, modalities that I ended up studying, but I, I never put two and two together until a few years later. And then what I'd done actually when I left Woolies was I signed up to study field guiding because I loved the bush. Mm-hmm. And it was at, during 2009, I left at Woolworths at the end of 2007. And I was sitting outside my tent while I was becoming qualified to be a field guide. And I just knew that I had to do healing work. It was, I'd done in, but when I came back from Australia, I started doing yoga and I was aware of this incredible energy in my hands, which I'd say to people, can't you feel it? Can you, and Qigong as well. And, And I sort of realized actually, no, I'm feeling a little bit more than other people. And that's sort of how I went into it. And once I'd made the decision that this is what I'm going to do, the workshops and the courses just appeared. So I started with body work because I could understand a massage. I mean, I was designing computer systems. I wasn't doing anything like this. And I could understand body work. So that's what I started with. But in the meantime, I'd been studying Reiki. I suppose you don't really study Reiki. You practice it. Something called transformational kinesiology, which was with muscle testing and looking at where things sat in your body, which is what the body work, I started with something called Asha rebalancing. And we learned about what it meant where different things sat in the body. So that made me aware of it. And I was always really interested. And I soon realized that I would get better results from someone with a sore lower back when I did worked on removing beliefs and stories from their body than when I actually physically massaged them. And 
sort of in tandem with doing that, I started doing shamanic journeying because I knew I had to do soul retrieval, but I didn't know what soul retrieval was. <laughs> and I started, I studied um, hypnotherapy and past life regression and life between life regression. And at the same time, there were always crystals. In fact, in my first course that I did was a crystal course. And it was in the crystal course that I verbalized, I'm going to do healing work and completely shocking myself. And the crystals were always there. So I'd incorporate them in the body work. And I first did something called crystal resonance therapy. And then um, my shamanic teacher, Neil Shapira, his wife came out and she was teaching something called crystal surgery. So I was had the incredible fortune of working, of studying with Vivian over a number of years. My first two teachers had been trained by her. And then Vivian came in to check out and she came to South Africa every year. And it was in the year that my mum passed away and I'd been working with a client, kind of going over the same things. And she came in to see me and I thought, I actually can't face doing a kinesiology session with her again. I'm just going to do some crystal surgery. And I did something called deleting imprints. And the session finished and she sat up and she said, oh, I can't keep blaming my mother and I can't keep blaming my my cousin. And I thought, oh, at last. <laughs> and that made me really realize how that crystals can work on the emotions and the stories we carry as well as they work on the physical body to remove inflammation and things like that, which I had been doing and I had been seeing results. But when I saw that result of, okay, it really does remove imprints, it really does that, I best start using this. It's then I started really working with the crystal surgery. And the other modalities kind of wove their way in yeah. as needed. So... That's what was happening on that side. And that was very much about the person, about their energy body. Um, I'd studied pranic healing. And there you really work with chakras um, of sensing where they are. I always referred to it as my recipe book for healing because there were very, very specific protocols for every single ailment that could possibly think they all worked with chakras and they all worked with colors and that's sort of stuck with me I never have forgotten that so whenever I start a session I always start with seeing what's happening in the energy field what's happening in the energy body and what's happening in the chakras so even if someone was coming to me for hypnotherapy session I still did that because it was so ingrained into me from those early days. Yeah, and I can imagine it's kind of, um, you know, once, you could, once you've got access to be able to see or sense where the chakras are out of balance, it would be ridiculous not to, to take that into yeah. consideration. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then when was in about 2015, I started studying or 2016, family constellations, which then looks at the whole family system. And I started practicing that first one-on-one. So I would still start with my checking out the chakras. And then you have um, family constellations is looking at 
it was some uh, a modality you can't call it a modality a therapy developed by somebody called Bertellinger who pulled on a whole lot of different um, different kinds of work to come up with the concept of family constellations and um, then you're looking at something bigger than just what's happening in the individual you're looking at where are they entangled in the family system mm. And I still would work with the chakras when I did one-on-one because I would see, oh, there's no, there's no second chakra. <laughs> there's no sense of self in the third chakra or what it is, whatever it was. So I then discovered that even if I didn't do a whole crystal surgery chakra balancing or anything, as we did the work on the family system and something landed, that chakra would be rebuilt. So if it was suddenly they'd have a second chakra or if they'd have a, they'd get a base chakra again as those elements that they hadn't been really connecting to within themselves, the energy body would rebuild itself. I don't know. It's just so fascinating that the that our historical, our genetic almost traumas that come down to us stay. Um, but to be able to release it, through these energy works is just is so powerful when I came to you and we did um a family constellation I've I had no idea what it was I didn't know understand what you you know what it was I was like okay this is this is interesting but it was very very powerful it was really powerful it was um yeah it was really fundamental actually And so would you just explain a little bit, just briefly, what it consists of, um, the family constellation work? And then I want to come back to the crystal surgeries and crystals. (laughs) Okay, so as I mentioned, it was developed by somebody called Bert Hellinger, and it started off as group work. So Bert Hellinger um, came to South Africa, and I think it's really important to acknowledge this. He spent... 17 odd years in South Africa as a Catholic priest in KwaZulu-Natal, where he was teaching and heading up schools. But he was very involved with the Zulu people, and and he could speak Zulu. So um, I think that it must have informed his work in some way, because what Family Constellations does is it makes us in the Western sense of the world, aware of our ancestors and connects us to the ancestors and understands how what happened in the past to our ancestors impacts us now. And it's built around something called the orders of love. And those are that everybody belongs. So as soon as we exclude someone, somebody else in that system, in the family system, has to represent that person so we will start um doing stuff that's not us because that person needs to be part of the family and that's what we will refer to as an entanglement and it's about acknowledging that it is it's that everybody has a place that there's an order our grandparents came first then our parents came then the children came so if you have a situation where there's parentification, which is a a well-known um, thing that happens from a psychological point of view, is where a child in, in, the, in the constellation language is becoming bigger than their parents, the order is out. And when that order is put back in again, 
again, that brings in healing. So when we try, and I mean, I can speak from self-experience where I was trying to do things for my father, I was actually taking away his power, especially as he got older, but was still capable. And when we did a constellation to give his power back to him, he became stronger because I was taking it away from him, but I was doing it from a place of love. I was doing it because I was caring for him. Yeah. It wasn't because I was trying to take away his power, but that was the result. Um, if I just jump back to the entanglement, um, almost like the turning point constellation for me was I was on a, um, a juicing retreat mm -hmm. and it happened that, um, Neil Campbell, who is a well-known facilitator in Cape Town, he was um, he was there as well. And someone suggested that we do a constellation for my asthma, which was really bad at the time. And inter interesting enough, my asthma only developed when I knew that I had to do healing work. Up until then, I'd been a very healthy person. Mm -hmm. um, And when we did this constellation, at the time I was on two sets of medication because my breathing was so bad. And again, it was me being big, carrying something for my mother. And I was carrying guilt. Guilt that she was the first member of her family to be divorced. Guilt that she had grandchildren who, where the grandparents weren't together. Then guilt afterwards that I was inheriting money that she never spent, that she could have spent. I was carrying all of that. Yeah. And when I gave it back to her, it was like this iron band had been removed off my chest. So I can't claim that all constellations are going to be that dramatic. But that's how it was impacting in my body. Yeah. So it's about carrying things that don't belong to us. Um, so we've spoken about order, everyone belonging. <clears throat> There's a balance. There's a balance in giving and taking. So I think most of us are familiar. If someone just keeps giving and giving and giving, the person that's getting all given everything suddenly just says, oh, that's too much for me. There has to be a, a balance. Yes. Yeah. The only time where there's going to be giving more is a parent giving to a child or a teacher giving to a child. And then one day when that child's an adult, they'll give to their children, which is how that balance is brought back. Right. In a relationship, there always has to be, I give to my partner, my partner gives back to me. And that gives, keeps the balance working. And there are, other, there are other orders, but I'll end up spending the whole, the whole interview speaking about that. Yeah. But that's the fundamentals that they brought around. And the other thing it's built around is something called the, the knowing field, where we work phenomenologically what is being shown so you can't you you have to know the um, the fundamentals. You need to know how the things work in family constellations. And the next layer is then stepping into this knowing field. So you'll have a group of people, which is how it started: the facilitator, the client, or the seeker, which I hear it's called in the states sometimes. And they will then speak their issue to the facilitator. In later work, sometimes it's not even a conversation. And um, people step in or are invited to represent the various members of the family or whatever else is required to be represented. And as those representatives stand into the field, 
they literally become that person. They know who are they drawn to, who are they, do they need to move away from. There might be words that they need to say to someone, which is all that space is held by the facilitator. You can't have everyone just doing their own thing. It's mm. got to be to be held and watching how the client is doing, not going too fast for the client, but really being aware of what what it is that the client needs, what it is that that is going to bring healing to them. And it's it's just seeing what emerges from the field. And in that acknowledgement, for example, for me saying, Dear Mum, I'm too small to carry this guilt and you are big and giving it back to her, that brings that healing around, but it also brings the acknowledgement that this is what I've been doing so yeah. that when it happens again, I'm aware of it and I, I can put it down so I don't want to pick it up again. Yeah. Um, so I found it incredibly useful in my healing practice of where I felt like I was going round in circles with clients. And that was because the entanglement was in the family system. Yeah. We needed to look outside of them. I just think it's incredibly fascinating and is and important and essential that people look at beyond themselves for the answers because there's a wider energy balance out there to be found. Absolutely. And it's it's seeing what we're not seeing, what we're not noticing. Yeah. That's that's the important thing. Yeah. So if I use another example on myself is in the constellation I stood on. And I stood right beside my father because he left when I was 11 years old. So I wanted to be with him. That 11-year-old little girl still wanted to be with his, her dad, but I'm not 11 anymore. And it was trying to understand why was my stepmother felt so threatened by myself and my sister. And that's because the two of us were gelled to our father instead of being away from him, we were adults, we didn't need to be there. And that's energetically, that was a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's often you'll see someone who's carrying symptoms of an illness. And those symptoms actually belong to someone else, or they are a manifestation of something that's happened in the family system. Um, I recall seeing a constellation of somebody who had chronic fatigue, and the facilitator brought on the the, parent, the father, and the father lay down on the ground. And the representative for the client lay down on the ground. And the question was asked, was your father in a war? And they said, yes, in the Second World War. And he was in, I think it was in Egypt somewhere, but he had injured himself, so he was shipped out, and his entire battalion was killed. So he was lying down with all his comrades. So the only way the son could be with was the father was to lie down beside him. So chronic fatigue developed. So I don't know what happened after the constellation if the client recovered, but energetically that was what was pulling him onto the ground. Yeah. No, this inherited so, inherited energy is is much, much more important than we than we give it credit for. Mm. Yeah. Over the years, it's evolved from a more classic, very controlled, where the facilitator said when you could move, gave the healing sentences. It was, what are you feeling in your body? All the time, it's, it's very 
um, somatic. What are you feeling? How, what's happening in your body? Yeah. Because when, when we had our session, it was just you and me in the room. Mm-hmm. You used little figurines as representatives. Yeah. So instead of having actual other people there, you use these little figures. And you were very much in tune with these people need to stand next to each other. This person mm. not, you know, can't come close or they're standing in the way or they're, you know, but you were feeling very much, you were feeling that the energy of, of those representative people and you were just gathering that energy from me, from the room, from just the energy that we put in those little figurines going like this person represents, you know, that person <laughs> and so on. Um, so it, it can, it can be done. I'm just wanting to let people know that, you know, the, the other way that it can be done is with these little representative figurines that you, that you have, um, you know, and we were, we were talking about a pain that I have, I have foot pain, which is much better by the way. Um, and you know, you actually gave my pain a little figurine and it was standing right next to me and, and you could really identify, you know, where it where I was putting my energy onto it and where it was, you know, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was just a really fascinating experience and it was very, very moving actually to, to put it all into context. So listen, I think we could talk about the family constellations forever, but what I want to bring us back to is um, the crystal healing that you do. Yes. In chakra work um, that I do, Obviously, the crystals um, are quite a, you know, they, they can be a very significant part of it. And they certainly are very symbolic and representative um, for some people. And for others, it's like, I don't understand. Like for myself, I'm hugely drawn to crystals and I just love being in their presence. I mean, you saw me when I was in your room and, and trust me, Robin has got the most spectacular collection of beautiful crystals. And I could have stayed there for hours, just touching and feeling all of them. <laughs> um, but I've never really understood what it is. Why is it that crystals have this power? And I know this is, a, you know, this is taking us right back to fundamentals, but I'm asking, you know, not only for myself, but for other people. And there are probably lots of people out there who already know why crystals are so powerful and, and the healing power of them. But I think in relation to the chakras, they can be really um, super powerful. So I just want you to, to explain in, um, you know, why, why that is so. The, the reason that crystals are such powerful healing tools is that they, they carry a vibration. So I think the most, the, the simplest way, if you think about it, your quartz watch before the days of digital watches, that had a pulse that, that they were drawing on. So there's the lasers. There's so much in engineering that uses different crystal forms because of the different powers they have. So that's almost the the first thing to be aware of. And each crystal create, carries a different resonance. Mm. So we use crystals for different protocols, for different, um, different crystals for detoxing, to what you're going to use for an anti-inflammatory, to what you're going to use to calming the mind or deleting an imprint because they all carry different vibrations. And we are bodies made up of all of these vibrations. So when something is going out of vibration, the crystal 
will help by putting it back into the right vibration. Then there's also the concept of the light that they carry and how they refract the light and um, pull the light in. So you'll see um, at the tip of some of our diamantina crystals, there's beautiful light that shines through and we'll be drawing that light into the body. And then there's the color themselves, which obviously um, is going to be working with different chakras as well. But it's, I might not always be putting a green chuck, green stone onto the heart. I might feel that I need something else because that is what is needed to bring in the balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're working in crystal surgery, which is um, a modality developed by Vivian Shapira. And she's got this amazing textbook out, which has won awards for, for the amount of detail that she's put into it. Um. And she's had these crystals speaking to her over the years um, of where and how they should be used. So we have crystals that are very specifically shaped, but also crystals and wands where you're combining the resonance of different stones together to do particular work. Yeah. So they're being used in a specific order, in a specific way to bring around – and. You, and we're working in the energy body and the energy field and the chakras to w- do this work because what's happening in our, eth- in our etheric body influences our physical body. So there's that we're working energetically, but it affects the physical. Yes, absolutely. Which we know. <laughs> we know, exactly. What, what fascinates me, the formation of the crystals within the earth the you know when you think about diamonds which everybody knows yeah. are created under huge atmosphere you know huge pressure within this earth which has so much energy within it you know i don't know why you wouldn't understand or believe that something as beautiful as a crystal in all its various different forms which had come up with these extraordinary colors and light you know doesn't hold energy because everything is energy. And these have been created with the most extraordinary energy, the earth's energy. There's something, mm. I don't know. I, I find that very sort of, um, it's just something very comforting about it. So when you're doing this, when you're doing crystal surgery, you're literally just using the crystals to, to shift energy within the body. That's essentially what that means, is it? It's also to build energy in the body. So often you'll, it's, it's not, it's a, it's about cleansing. It's about, we spend a lot, um, clearing energy. It's about decoding things that aren't useful. So I suppose then you are shifting, but a lot of the time is that we're building energy. So you'll feel an energy body and there's just like a hole <laughs> in part of it. And there's just nothing happening there. Right. Um, and then you'll need to, rebuild the energy with grids and scaffolding to let the energy body repair itself, which to get, and sometimes it's just encouraging energy to flow through the body. You'll start a session and the chakras will just, there's hardly any movement in it or no movement or there's way too much. Mm. So you'll need to siphon off some of that energy because it just kind of like overpowers everything else. 
So there's um, a process of bringing back balance of you really want to create a healthy um, energy body and energy field and chakras so that the healing can happen. Yeah. See, one, what, one of the ways that I always describe chakras to people who are like, oh, what's a chakra? You know, because you obviously I come, you know, that's quite a normal question. And I always say that they're like water wheels. And imagine you had a system of water wheels and some of them were clogged up with debris and rubbish and other ones, the screws were a bit loose. So they were just running crazy, you know, free and going too fast. And once you start to find balance, once you start to remove the debris, once you start to tighten up the screws and everything's flowing in a nice, um, even and balanced way, that's when the energy. And so what sounds to me like you're, the crystal healing that you can do is to remove that debris, to tighten up those screws, to make the wheels flow in a way that is energy efficient. Yeah, that's yeah. just it. Beautiful. Okay. So we have, you know, lots of people create, collect crystals like me, you know, you have just like a little bowl mm. or you have them sort of sitting on your side or you carry them around with you or you wear them around your neck or whatever. Mm. But how, um, how do people, how do you recommend or say that people can use or sh- use crystals in their daily life? Because is it, is it just a matter of going into a crystal shop and just picking up the ones that you're drawn to how how does how does one who has not studied the studied crystals um you know facilitate to use them in in the in your life to help your energy i think what you exactly what you said is what are you drawn to and when i first started buying crystals i would go into a shop and i would um i literally i'd do a little shake when i found one that that spoke to me. My body um, is a little bit um, talkative in its movements. <laughs> and and more so when I started this journey until I learned to, um, to hold it. But it was also partly my nervous system that was so completely out of, out of sync at the time. And um, I'd then come back and read about it and discover that I'd bought five completely different looking crystals, but they were all four the same thing. Really? So it's what you're drawn to. Allow yourself to trust what you're drawn to. Yeah. What piece, which one do you just keep going back to? And when you hold it, there's this, oh, you can kind of breathe out yeah. and you know that you've got the right stone for you. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a matter of having it in your life and just... And it's yeah. a having it in your life, but also very importantly to clean it because it's it's, it's yeah. taking heavy energy from you. So it's very important. It's like you wouldn't keep filling up your bin in your kitchen. At some stage, you're going to empty it out. Yeah. So every full moon, all my crystals are put out into the moon. When I, because that's it's a recharging of them, and when I work with my stones, my windowsill, my healing room, very much as my intention is when I place a crystal there, it's being cleansed. If I work with someone where the energy is very heavy, I'll then do specific things to clean it or put it outside or whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. So, when you do have crystals and you're collecting them. Be aware of 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 the hygiene of them, of of keeping them clean. Yeah. 
So I um, um, obviously leaving them out in the moonlight, leaving them in the sunlight. You can leave them in the sunlight. I've also heard putting them in rice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can. You can do that. Um, some people bury them, but I've never done that. Putting them in running water. Running water. That I really loved. But you need to be aware of which crystals you're doing because some crystals don't like going into running water and you'll come back to no stone. So um, yeah. Google's easy enough to do, but it's yeah. more of you can almost feel which stones would be doing doing that but your courts and that will be absolutely fine yeah, yeah. so yes okay. um, fantastic um, and place them on yourself as well when you have a if you lie down put them on you pop them into your bra you know have them with you <laughs> and then when they when they've done their time they'll let you know yeah yeah exactly this one just likes to sit right here on my third eye just oh just feels oh. so happy that lovely love it I hope that that's given people a little bit more, uh, you know, because I think sometimes people go crystals that just, as you know, people can be, can be dismissive of it. It's just a sort of trinkety kind of thing, but actually their power is, is real. And yeah, I think think opening yourself up to it is definitely, um, definitely, you know, the the beginning of that journey for um, enjoying your lovely crystals. So the other thing that I, um, I'm fascinated about. So there's two things, but I'm going to go to the one that I'm most interested about, first of all, is your venturings into shamanism. Mm. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, in the West, we have a a certain sort of image of what shamanism is. So can you tell me a little bit about how you practice shamanism and what your sort of experience of it has been? So I started by doing drum journeys. Um, Again, more vibrations. Vibrations, the sound of that and and doing healing with that. Um, And I enjoyed them, but that wasn't really my complete calling as to where I needed to go. It took me to, to soul retrieval, which is really a beautiful piece of work of bringing back parts of yourself that you lose through trauma and they'll split off and through a process of soul retrieval those split off parts are able to bring to be reincorporated back into your into your energy field Um, which so that's really beautiful work and then in fact my first crystal so my first crystal teacher joshua marais who um I was standing in um, the Rock Chick, which is a beautiful crystal shop in Hout Bay, holding a a stone, which is actually called a shaman stone. And someone came in and said, oh, when's Joshua running his next course? And I said, oh, I want to do that, which is how I I first met Joshua. And he advertised that he was doing something called the Muleki. And I just knew that I had to do it without knowing what it was, like so many other things that, I, that I've that i done on this path. And the Muneki are nine rites that come from South America, mainly Peru, which somebody called Alberto Villaldo. Um, he, he is an, a doctor of anthropology of, I might have that wrong. Anyway, Dr. Vialdo, and he was invited by, by the Peruvian shamans 
to bring this work to the West. And interesting enough, shaman is a word that they don't use in South America. It's almost traveled there as it's become, yes. Anyway, so these nine rites um, work in your luminous energy field, planting seeds into your energy field to bring about growing a new, what they refer to, homo luminous, to become this being of light. And the first rite is called the healer's rite, and it's about healing yourself and healing what we've been speaking about, your ancestry, your ancestors, what trauma that you're carrying for them, and so that everyone that you touch is healed, which I find really beautiful. Then there's some the next rite called the bands of power, and that is putting these bands around you so that when heavy energy, because they don't talk about good or bad energy, when that heavy energy comes to you, it's transformed into something else. So if it comes to there's a band of earth, it sends it back to the earth, this heavy energy. There's a band of water, it returns it to flow. There's a band of fire, and it transmutes the heavy energy. So, and so it goes, so there's wind and there's, there's light. So the wind will th- th- blow it away. Yeah. Which are all then, the elements that are related to the chakras as well. You know, you've and got, and uh, then the, the next one we're coming to yeah. is then the harmony rite, which is to each chakra. And an archetype is planted into each chakra. And you then go through a process of every two weeks meeting a new archetype. And in the process, you're clearing out all the old psychic sludge that is sitting in your chakras. And the old ways that you've always perceived things, because we perceive things not only through our eyes, but also through our chakras. So when we connect to the archetype, we're first clearing it out, and then we're bringing in kind of like a universal new way of perceiving the world through this particular chakra. And that is is what we receive in the harmony rites. And then there's the seer rites to see, which is coming into your third eye and your heart and connecting it to your visual cortex. So you can see things, but through your heart and you're seeing into the unseen. So instead of looking at everything very um, mentally and judgmentally, you're looking at through the heart, which is very beautiful. Very beautiful. And then the next, so those are the foundation ones. The next three chakra, the next three are called the lineage rites where you're doing ma- balancing the masculine and feminine, connect- connecting to the earth keepers um, of the world. Then you get into the next ones, which are the rites to come. And it's the star keepers rites, which is bringing in this, this light energy into each chakra again. And the last one is the creator rite of really stepping into what you are becoming so that we are all part of creating a world that we want to dream into being. And when there's enough people who can see the world differently, so change can happen, which is why these elders wanted these rights to be shared to the West. So once you've received them, the whole idea is that you then share them with someone else. Mm. So there's a constant journey. And it's, it's, and the chakras are absolutely fundamental to the whole process of the Muneki rites. So I love doing this work. I've been doing it since 2013. I received them in 2012. 
And I see such incredible transformation as people are doing this work. And the more work they put into it of growing the rights, the seeds of the rights, and clearing out their chakras and connecting to the archetypes. So the archetypes, just um, if people are wondering what they are, they're four in the lower chakras. So you've got serpent in your lower, in your base chakra, um, mother jaguar or tarongo in your second chakra, there's hummingbird in your third chakra, and eagle and condor in your heart. So everyone can identify with those really beautifully. And then we hit the three, which are really difficult to work with, which is in your throat, there's the keeper of the lower world. And then there's in your third eye, there's keeper of the middle world. And the upper chakra is the keeper of the upper world. And that's quite a different concept for us in the West, because especially if you went to a Catholic school, down there's purgatory, up there's heaven, here we're in the middle of the earth, (laughs) but it's not there. The lower world is what is the unseen, the unconscious that we can't see. And if you're doing shamanic journeying, you journey into the lower world where you might find a power animal or something. You're definitely not journeying into purgatory. But it's asking us to look at our shadows. What are we not wanting to see? And um, then in our in the third eye, we it's it's about being in this world, but being able to see it in a different way. And then in our crown chakra, it's looking at at the superconscious. What is there more? Yeah. Stepping into where we should be. What what is our soul? Why did our soul incarnate? So there's that whole beautiful journey that people are working through when they're doing the Moneki journey. I, I, I do it as a Moneki journey. I do it over this spreading it out so that the people can really digest and they can, because while you're working with your chakras, these things that have been sitting there come out. Yeah. And it's really beautiful to be doing it with a group of people to be supported in the process. Yeah. Um, and they often need healing sessions while it's happening. So, um, yeah, that's what that Moneki, so that, that work then drew me into the deeper work of going, actually studying the Andean, sacred Andean tradition, which is an unadulterated work in the South, in, in the, with the Quero people. Um, and, and then that led me, um, I suppose that didn't lead me, but there is another bit of shamanic work, which I do, which is with something called the Dagara tradition. Um, there's Alda Maladoma. He brought that work to the West from Burkina Faso. He recently passed away last year. And with that work, I do divination work of um, something called stick divination. So that's how um, my work. And so you started by saying, what is, what is shamanism? Shamanism is kind of looking outside of the ordinary world. It's it's stepping beyond. It's looking in the other world. What what is going into the ancestral world, but it's also going into the world of the elements of the the earth, of fire, of water, of nature, and acknowledging that they and and the cosmos, of course, mm-hmm. that they that that there's something else that we can't see. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> and it, it is and it's for people that do healing work, it's phenomenal because it brings another level into your work. Mm-hmm. I recall when I 
when I received the Monaki rights, and I'd done, Joshua had flown down from Johannesburg over three trips, and he came down for the last time in December when I received the last rights. And then when I started working in January, um, someone would be here, and I would know something happened to you when you were seven years old, or it's a past life from 1746. I didn't have to do muscle testing or bring out my pendulum. I just knew. And or you'll, if you work with your hands, you'll, be, you'll just be aware of even more. They almost become more sensitive. So it's, it's, it's not just, it's, it's for everyone. And I love watching, as I think I said already, how people shift during the journey yeah. um, of where they've been wanting to go and do something. And this just gives them the extra impetus because they've left all the baggage behind and they can truly step into what they are becoming and who they are becoming. Um, and that I yeah. think is something that everybody, everybody is searching for. I mean, certainly people, you know, the people who listen to my podcast, they're certainly searching for that sense of self, that sense of peace, that sense of almost a journey, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm not, not quite happy, you know, don't want to just stand still and just do the daily do, you know, that's, that's fine. But I think a lot of people are searching for the more, in in yeah. and in their energetic life and in their energetic world and i think that you know gosh everything that you've talked about today from you know the constellation family constellation work to the um you know the crystal healing to the chakra healing to the monarchy work just is is really is really special and i think mm. you know i feel i feel so lucky and blessed to have to have found you and to have been able to meet you and to record this. So I'm, you have a, a beautiful, wonderful energy. I loved meeting you so Thank much. You. <laughs> and I'm sorry we're doing this over Zoom and not in person, <laughs> even though we were in the same country. <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy, but there we go. That's life. And, you know, you're not in Cape Town right now and I'm about to leave. So, but, you know, I'm just really, really happy to have made this connection. So thank you so much, Robin, for taking this time. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this Chakra Chat episode of the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed listening to everything that Robin had to say. She's such a lovely and interesting person with a really deep understanding and insight into the energy work that she does. So um, I wanted to let you know that all the contact details for Robin are in the show notes, including details of the Monarchy Rights Workshop. I feel that our work is really quite complementary. And for those who want to go on a a journey with the chakras, the Chakra Way course that I run is a perfect introduction to your energetic world because in the course we integrate the wisdom of the chakras with yoga and meditation so that you begin to discover an awareness and an understanding of your energetic body for yourself. 
And Robin's work is a healing practice that uses this to em- this embodied wisdom and energy work to facilitate shifts in energy so that healing can come from within. And this is the wonder of working with chakras and working with our energy, that the healing comes from within. And I have to say that the monarchy rights is something that I am most definitely going to explore. So maybe I'll meet some of you on her next workshop. So I hope you all have a peaceful and fulfilling week. I'll be back with another meditation next week. Do stay in touch. If there's anything you would like me to address in the podcast, then I would love to hear from you. Okay, so sending very much love and take care. Have a great week, everybody, and I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.